are back. Welcome to episode two of the CovCast from the editors of the Covenant Companion magazine. No one has pulled the plug yet, so we're back for a second swing at this podcast thing. How are you, Kathy Norman Peterson? I'm great, Ed Gilbreth. How are you? I'm doing well. Did you think we'd make it this far? Did you, you know, think we'd be back for a second? I wasn't try? sure, but here we are. So have you heard anything about uh, the, the first episode since it's uh, I hear dropped? people have downloaded it and listened, so that's great. This is good. It's, so it's a real thing now. It, it is. It's a real thing. For it's so long, there. it was just existing in our heads. So, <laughs> so but the, the thing about it being a real thing is that we have to keep doing it. <laughs> and here we are. So here we are. So once again, uh, for those who are, are joining us new, first of all, go back and listen to the first episode. But in the podcast that we're doing, the Covcast, one of our hopes is to, um, to use this medium to help connect the covenant, to inform the covenant, to introduce you to people and ministries that are just doing amazing things around the covenant community. And um, as part of that, one of the questions that we ask, and it's sort of the, an underlying theme of this podcast, is why do we love the cove? And uh, meaning, why are we a part of this community? Why do we choose in what some folks uh, believe is a post-denominational age why do we choose to be a part of a denomination like the Evangelical Covenant? And um, we hope in the Covcast that uh, we'll give you many uh, great reasons why. And um, so it's, it's great to have this chance to connect with you again. So all of you listening to this episode, too, thank you for being here. And uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, what's going on with the, uh, the Companion. Um, by the way, uh, if you don't already, you probably want to go over to covenantcompanion.com and uh, look up in the right-hand corner, upper right-hand corner, and subscribe to The Companion if you don't already. It's a great publication, and uh, we are blessed to have the managing editor here with us each time. Kathy, what's what's happening with The Companion? If you were right now, I know we're, we're hot and heavy in a deadline period, but um, could you give us a, a Sneak preview, what are you most excited about working on right now with Companion? Right now we're working on the November-December issue, and so we are telling some holiday stories about gratefulness and Advent, and I'm excited about how that's all going to come together and be in that, at the printer in a couple weeks. Wonderful. And um, the latest issue, the September-October issue, is should be in people's homes by now. I, I think I got mine in the mail. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's out, and uh, the cover story is on Chick. Uh, we were there back in July in Knoxville, Tennessee, as a part of this that amazing uh, youth conference. And um, what do readers need to know about uh, this issue? Um, it's, it's a great cover story and a great photo of, of uh, some students that we were able to hang out with. Could you give us a little backstory on how it all came together? Well, one thing I want to say is if you're already a fan of Chick, I don't need to convince you to open this issue. But if you're not, I need to convince you to open this issue because I was not always a youth ministry person. I'm not even now. Um, and I didn't really know a lot about Chick before I took this job. But these stories are genuinely inspiring, even if you're not a youth ministry or Chick fan. They really, uh, these students that we encountered at Chick, we didn't, we kind of found them while they were there. We didn't give them a lot of advance notice. And they tell stories about God working in their lives, their passions, their dreams for 
unite, which is the chick theme, how we can see the church unite, it's really genuinely inspiring, and they're just beautiful little snapshots. Could you uh, talk a little bit about the, uh, the the photography? I mean, there's some oh. great images of these students, and, and even the cover shot was a lot of fun, and uh, you get to see the personality of these students. We had some amazing photographers that uh, from our team that, who were there, and they really were able to draw out these beautiful faces. So I want to give a shout-out to Jesse Schrader and Bethany Frostler and Eric Staswick for putting together an on-the-fly photo shoot that yes. turned into something way more amazing than we thought would come together. Yeah, it, it was a great a great event and such a privilege to talk to those young people. We captured a lot of their conversation uh, on tape or whatever you call our <laughs> digital recordings today. And um, we thought it would be great, uh, the recordings we made in order to transcribe for the, uh, the pieces in the magazine, maybe to listen to some of those voices right now uh, and give our, our listeners out there a little taste of, of uh, what we experienced there from these incredible students. And um, we went around this, were there nine, nine students all together? We went around and, and asked yeah. them uh, a, a question. What was that question, Kathy? We asked them a couple of questions. One, uh, what are they passionate about? Two, where did they encounter God either leading up to Chick or especially at Chick? And three, how do they want to see God unite the church around those issues that they really care about? So let's listen right now to uh, the students from Chick that uh, we had the privilege to spend some time with. So uh, what I'm really passionate about is uh, the verse Micah 6-8, love mercy, do justice, walk humbly. And I try to live my life by that verse. Um, I would love to see more people uh, volunteering um, and showing people that we we all follow this uh, this one verse, Micah six eight, and yeah, that's I absolutely like. That's how I want to live my life. My passion is helping people escape boxes, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, anywhere in their life. I like to help people realize that it's okay to be weird and it's okay to not be yourself. It's okay to embrace who you are. I would say my passion is to hear from people my age. Like I like things like this where we get to talk about our faith or just normal like conflicts that go on everyday life. Um, being a Ugandan American, like I like to hear from other minorities or people that have faced any kind of conflict that they feel like is un unfair to them. And I like to educate people on like my culture, African culture, and like I would like them to also educate me on their culture. Like I'm open to hearing from other people, and I like to encourage people. One of the biggest things that I'm passionate about is finding people where they fit. I believe that is so hard in a society today where we don't really know who we are, how we act, or what we do. And I believe that finding where you're supposed to fit is one of the most beneficial to your mental health, to who you are, and to your well-being. I think being able to uh, address that, be able to speak about it, um, is one of the most important things. I think we can all unite around that because if we all are fit where we're supposed to be, then the world can be a much 
better place, a much uh, more functioning place, say. Um. In general, uh, love, I think love could, uh, I think you could be passionate about love and uh, it's the better way and it'll help us unite. One of our traditions was like your, fir your fir very first catch of any animal, you give it, you give, pass it away. That's how we really unite our own, our, my home. Throughout my life, I've kind of noticed that me being an Asian American, we have a hard time struggling with speaking up and really showing people that we're here and we want to be heard. And I think right now with everything that's going on, we really need to unite and realize that there are different people out here and we should all give each other the room to speak about our differences and also realize that we have a lot of similarities at the same time. I feel like my passion is really trying to include everyone, making everyone feel safe and comfortable. My passion and one of my biggest passions is being a vessel, vessel for others and specifically leading those in worship. I've actually led a worship team at my church now for two years um, and music's always been a part of my life since I was born and since I can remember. Um, worship for me is my favorite way to talk to talk to God and personally I also love to help others and listen to others and be more than just a performer and use my talents and gifts from God to help others see him more and see his grace um, I think we can unite around music because it's an international and universal language um, which we can all speak, even though we come from such different backgrounds. That was uh, Natalie, Nyla, Isabella, Nate, Matthew, Alexander, Marissa, Noah, and Cameron. Uh, so thank you for allowing us to share with our listeners a little bit of your, um, your vision for the future and your, your heart for the Lord right now. Well, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back. Uh, and. When we come back, Kathy, we're going to hear some highlights from the Cove Talks that were presented at the Ministerium meeting back in June during the annual meeting. So uh, stay with us. We'll be right back. I am. I am. I am. I am a finance manager. I am a granddaughter. I am overwhelmed. I am loved. I am seeking to make a difference. I am a proud adoptive parent. I am Puerto Rican. I am happy. <laughs> I'm a mess. <laughs> I am a fighter. I am a mother. I am a feminist. I am a grandmother. I am pastor. I am a planter. I am healing. I am a leader. I'm creative. I am my father's daughter. I am fighting cancer. I am. I am. I am the daughter. The daughter. I am the daughter. The daughter. The daughter of the great. I am. I am. A triennial gathering for women, by women. Coming July 2019. For information, go to iam.covchurch.org. And we are back. So, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, we hope to do as part of the Covcast is to 
provide our listeners, to provide our audience with a, a taste of some of the, the great voices from around the covenant. And um, not everyone is able to go to all the events or be at all the, uh, um, the, the church services, but there's lots of great um, things happening and lots of great messages out there. And we want to be able to uh, give you a taste of some of those. Um, you know, at the various ECC events, we feature something called Cove Talks. Uh, I think midwinter we do them, triennial at Gather. And um, Cove Talks are sort of the, the covenant version of a, a TED Talk, right? Right. And uh, where we get just really quick bursts of uh, ideas and, and inspiration from, from speakers. And uh, we're going to listen to a Cove Talk today uh, from uh, the ministerium meeting back in June at During Gather in, in Minneapolis. And the one we're about to hear right now comes from uh, Ephraim Smith. Um, Ephraim was part of a, uh, a trio of pastors that uh, shared around some different issues there. And um, Ephraim presented a little bit on racial inclusion in the church. And uh, we're going to hear just a portion of his uh it was a, a very compact but very compelling Cove Talk message that he, he gave there. And um, Ephraim is, for those of you who don't know, is uh, or was the founding pastor of Sanctuary Covenant Church in Minneapolis. Uh, he, for a while, he was the superintendent of the Pacific Southwest Conference of the ECC. And he is currently co-pastor of the Bayside Church Midtown Campus in Sacramento, California. And... Um, uh, he's known for being a very dynamic, powerful speaker, so it's a, a privilege for us to be able to feature uh, his voice on this, our second CoveCast. So let's listen to Ephraim Smith share uh, a Cove talk uh, from the ministerium meeting uh, a couple months back. I am to talk about what I've learned about racial inclusion, specifically in the church. One, I've learned to start with celebration. I was very fortunate in 2002 to be welcomed into this formerly predominantly Swedish movement to plant an intentionally multi-ethnic and urban church in one of the states that represents the foundation of this denomination. And so I celebrate that open door that led me to feel fully included in this movement. But I think the celebration of racial inclusion also must remember those that came before me. As an African-American, I was fortunate that I was grabbed by people like Robert Owens and Jerome Nelson and Henry Greenidge and Debbie Blue to make sure that I knew the foundation, the shoulders that I was standing upon as I entered into this denomination. Names like Jerry Mosby and Willie Jemison are names that need to be revered. They need to be remembered. We must remember the sacrifice and the entrance of people like Jerome Nelson and Robert Owens. We must remember Debbie Blue, Henry Greenwich, Harold Spooner. I was taught to respect those names. Those names should never be used as a pawn for strategic chess matches. They should be revered. They should be held high. And I will always speak those names, write about those names, mention those names in social media with the high regard and respect that they deserve. But the story and 
celebration of racial inclusion doesn't just look at those that came before me, but the moment that we are in now. I mean, for me to be able to look at the president of this ministerium and know that she will be the first African-American woman elected. Well, she's been elected. Now she's going to be installed as superintendent. So I know there's the women's issue and there's the racial issue, and we're just going to have a tug of war of who gets Catherine. So we both just going to share this sister in her historic moment. But the racial inclusion celebration doesn't, it doesn't start or end solely with African-Americans. I've been privileged to walk alongside Greg Yee and see the trail that he has blazed as an Asian-American in this movement. There are so many others that I could name, but to have been able to say that I've been a colleague with, that, I, that I've served with, and seen the ways in which Greg Yee has quietly been such a pioneering trailblazer, it's been a blessing to me. I celebrate what has happened in our Hispanic movement with our Latino and Latina brothers and sisters. And so to know that Danny Martinez is a superintendent in our movement, that that is powerful, that is, is amazing. And I have been so blessed, even in my recent friendship with Phil Nesta and Juana Nesta, to know that there is much to celebrate. And so when we talk about racial inclusion, what I've learned is that we should start with celebration. We should celebrate that year after year, this movement, this denomination looks more and more like a sneak preview of heaven. We're, we're not done yet, but look at what God has done. And what God has done in the area of racial inclusion can be a framework, it can be a model for how we address a number of issues that we face in our movement as we go forward as a church. So we should start with celebration. That's what I have learned. We should celebrate that we have increased the number of, of ethnic-specific non-Anglo and multi-ethnic churches in this movement. We should celebrate celebrate that we as we rub shoulders with a more diverse constituency and fellowship we ought to praise God we ought to thank God regularly for this the second thing that I've learned is that we need to center the conversation the movement of racial inclusion missionally and we also need to make sure that it stays rooted biblically that has been the reason I believe God has wonderfully blessed our growth and our advancement in racial inclusion because none of the enduring commitments, none of the theological founding pillars of who we are are compromised when you give yourself to racial inclusion. They actually are accentuated. I mean, they become beautiful. The roots go deeper. How can I say that? Because the more multi-ethnic you become, the more racially inclusive you become, the better shot you have at fuller participation in the Great Commission. How are you going to make disciples of all nations if you don't have all nations pastoring and administrating and being prophetic voices in your movement? So it's a missiological issue. It is at the center of the ecclesiology of who we are. If we're going to have modern day conventicles, if we are going to live with passion 
fashion as the Swedish forerunners did in places like Iowa and Illinois in Minnesota. Of course, you're going to have to be multi-ethnic. You're going to have to be multiracial. You're going to have to be racially inclusive or we compromise our ability to disciple. We compromise our ability to strengthen and start churches. We compromise our ability to serve globally if we don't uh, take upon ourselves to be the pace setters of being a bridge building, reconciling, righteous, inclusive movement in an ever increasing, diverse and deeply divided mission field. And then the last thing that I've learned about being racially inclusive in the church is there are still challenges before us. Though we have been fortunate to have the names that I've mentioned, and forgive me for those that I didn't, but Asian Americans and Hispanics and African Americans and others that have served at every level of leadership, and there's still one yet that we believe is going to be filled at some point in time. <laughs> y'all could have laughed at that, man. Y'all getting a little tense in the room. I ain't, I ain't starting trouble. I'm just sharing some stories. But what I'm saying is, though we have had people of color serve at various levels of leadership in this movement, that does not make us a post-racial church. Just like having an African-American and biracial president didn't make us a post-racial nation. <laughs> Seems to me we still got some deep challenges around race and ethnicity. Check out what's going on in policing in predominantly African-American under-resourced communities. Check out what's going on at the border with immigration and children being snatched out of the hands of their biological parents. That tells me that though there is much to celebrate and though we must continue to center this topic, this issue uh, missionally and in the ecclesiology of who we've been and who we are and who we will be, there is still much challenge before us. So, wow, that, that was uh, great stuff. And just a short message, but so much contained in the, that, that brief Cuff Talk. Um, I'm, I'm hearing the, the message of, of uh, how we can approach racial inclusion being about celebrating how far we've come, about staying rooted in, in our biblical understanding of racial reconciliation, and at the same time being realistic about uh, how much farther we have to travel that road. What, what did you think of the message, Kathy? I love that he started with celebration. I think it's so easy to focus on where we're falling short on a variety of issues in the church, right? Like we have lots of challenges we're facing. But I love that he took some time to say, remember where we came from, remember whose shoulders we stand on, remember who's paved the way. And that sets sets us in great place for moving forward and, and addressing the things that we still need to address. Yeah, it's a powerful message. It's good stuff. And uh, this is something we hope to do more of, uh, Cove Talks and other messages from uh, different voices from around the covenant. So uh, tune in each episode to hear more great material and great content like that. We're going to take one more break, and when we come back, we're going to dive into what's becoming my favorite segment, uh, Why We Love the Cove, and we'll hear from some different voices from around the covenant community. So stay with us. Hey, this is Ed, and I want to tell you about The Covenant Companion. The Companion is more than a magazine. It's your church. 
The Companion connects more than 850 congregations of diverse backgrounds, united in our call to love God and serve others. It's your resource. From articles to ads, The Companion keeps you informed with the news, events, and ministry opportunities you need to know about. It's your story. Each issue features testimonies, interviews, and profiles of God at work in the church, in the world, and in our lives. It's your magazine. Whether you're a pastor or a layperson, a longtime reader or new to the church, The Companion provides the insight and encouragement you need as an engaged member of the covenant community. So stay connected, inspired, and engaged. Subscribe today to The Covenant Companion at covenantcompanion.com. All right, welcome back. So at the close of each episode, we hear from different people all around the covenant on the question, why do you love the Cov? That is, why are you a part of this community? So, so are you ready for this one, Kathy? I'm ready. All right, let's hear from some of our brothers and sisters from around the Cov right now uh, about why they love it. My name is Chris Hagberg. I work in the president's office at the denominational offices of the Evangelical Covenant Church, and I love the covenant. All of my life, I have been a part of a covenant church with a short break for rebellion. The covenant church has been a family. It has been a home. Coincidental or miraculous, however you want to look at it, but it was a covenant church who welcomed me back into the arms of God again. The church has been my family these days working for the Evangelical Covenant Church denominational offices. The work, my work family is part of the covenant. Wow, that was great. Thank you, Chris. Chris Hagberg is a uh, uh, a wonderful friend, a wonderful woman who's been a part of Covenant offices for a very long time, and we're very thankful that she would share her story. So uh, thank you. I love hearing those. That's great. And we want our listeners to know that you, too, can be featured as part of uh, the CovCast by um, sharing your own stories about why you love the Cove. We want to hear from you. So we want you to go to thecovenantcompanion.com and go to the the podcast page and uh, there's a little box at the bottom where you can just uh, submit your story and give us your contact information and we will follow up with you because we want to feature your voices on here as well and uh, um, or you could just send your your stories and your contact info to communication at covchurch.org and tell them why you love the cove so here we are at the end of episode two I don't know. I, did you think we were going to make it? <laughs> we made it all the way through. We made it one more time, episode two. So uh, we want to thank everyone out there for joining us for this second episode. Um, we will be back in your feed soon with another action-packed episode of the CovCast. And as usual, we want you to be sure to tell all of your friends about the CovCast, review us online, and share this in future episodes. And, um, and while you're online... Again, go on over to thecovenantcompanion.com and subscribe to the magazine or send a subscription to a friend and help us keep the covenant connected through uh, getting the word out there about all the great things happening around this community. Special thanks to my partner, Kathy Norman Peterson, 
and to the rest of the Covenant Communications team. Thank you, Kathy. Thanks, son. We will be back next week with episode three of the Covenant Companions, CovCast. So we hope to see you then. 